Well, it's 12 o'clock, so I think we'll go ahead and get started. And as folks join in, we'll just fold them into the conversation. But uh, I want to begin by uh, just wishing everyone on the line, and you too, Jane, a happy America Recycles Day. Thank you, Sarah. I will also uh, nerd out even further and say happy Iowa Recycles Day. Uh, we were at the, as you know, we were at the state capitol last week with the Iowa Recycling Association proclaiming the statewide level of America Recycles Day as Iowa Recycles Day. So very exciting. That is, that's an exciting development. Um, and for those of you who don't know us, I'm Sarah Gardner. I work in the Climate Action and Engagement Office. And this is Jane Wilch, my colleague, who is our city's wonderful recycling coordinator. Um, and a bit of what inspired what we thought we would do today is that for those of you who've attended other webinars for the city, you're probably used to seeing you know, a fairly scripted presentation with a slideshow that has lots of different charts and graphs. And Jane and I got to talking about all the really great conversations we tend to have behind the scenes, um, putting together programs and thought, boy, wouldn't it be just great to fold others into those conversations and just show like the kinds of things we think about when we're putting together programs, the kinds of questions we wrestle with, both in our own lives and with our professional capacity and to hear the kinds of things that you're thinking about as you think about a topic like food waste. So uh, we envision this to be a very casual and interactive conversation. Um, Jane and I are gonna go back and forth a little and talk just a bit about some things we've been thinking about recently related to food waste. And we'll have some opportunities uh, where we'll open the floor for you all to chat, which you can do two ways. Um, we've got a Q&A box, so you can put your questions into the Q&A and Jane going to keep an eye on it and read out those questions as they pop up. Or um, when we open up the floor for discussion, if you want to raise your hand um, on your screen, we can try to unmute you and then you can speak to us live. So it's exciting stuff. You know. And it's kind of funny. It's America Recycles Day and we are not talking about recycling, but we're talking about a related topic, food waste, um, which is a great thing to talk about. Yeah, it is. And, and it does seem kind of funny to me too. But you know, as we know, Sarah, it's all related. Uh, and in particular, so food waste, we get a lot of questions about food waste locally. It's one of, you know, the most curious topics I think we have in our waste and recycling world in Iowa City. Uh, and there's, it's not surprising why um, at a local level, at a statewide level, at a national level. So if we zoom into our local landfill, so the Iowa City landfill, which serves all of Johnson County, we do a waste sort every few years that sorts through trash to figure out exactly what's going into the landfill. Uh, and what we determined from that, and the last one we did was 2017, it's been a few years, but you know, judging from what's happening with landfills across the state, I think this data is still fairly relevant. Um, so of everything that's going in the landfill, currently 35% is organic material. Now that's a mix of things that could be yard waste, food waste, uh, other types of organic material. Uh, but of everything that's going in the landfill, 25% is food waste. So that, cat, that you know, equates to about 34,000 tons of material, which is a lot. Um, and like I said, this is, Iowa City is not alone in this. This is a trend that we're seeing across the state. Uh, we talked to other partners in Iowa about this. It's, it's a big conversation that's happening at a state level and at a national level as well. 
Yeah. And another reason we're talking about it is because it's November. And I had said to Jane, I sort of feel like Thanksgiving is the unofficial food race holiday on the calendar. And that's because when you think about the kinds of conversations that happen around Thanksgiving, it's the only time of year where you'll see magazine articles about like 15 ways to use your Thanksgiving leftovers. I mean, nobody does that on the 4th of July. There aren't all these like hot dog Tetrazzini articles that or recipes that circulate around other holidays. So I think Thanksgiving is a great time to talk about food waste. It's a time where I think it's more front of mind than it is at other times of year. And I had uh, begun by telling Jane that actually I had a little food waste adventure myself a few years back where we had a big Thanksgiving dinner. Um, we invited a whole bunch of friends to join us for it. And at the end of the dinner, inspired a bit by the uh, turkey and stuffing sandwiches you see some places, we decided that we were gonna take all our leftovers and just put them in the crock pot and let them cook down the next day to see what happened. And it is the kind of thing that sounds like a culinary disaster or a dare you would see on TikTok, right? To have your stuffing and your green bean casserole and we had balsamic onions and um, we had creamed mushrooms, all of it just in the pot. But uh, what came out was so delicious that uh, it sort of has become the stuff of legend among people who are at that dinner ever after. We called it Essence of Thanksgiving. Um, and we ate Essence of Thanksgiving for many days on a bun. And it used up all our food, food leftovers, which is great. No recipe required, just you know, an adventurous sense of ways to use a slow cooker. So one of the things we wanted to ask all of you joining in today is uh, what's your favorite way to use Thanksgiving leftovers? Uh, we've got the question and answer box open if you'd like to enter something that's worked really well for you in the past, or um, maybe there's even a leftover dish you look forward to. And we'd love to share those with the group and maybe get a little <laughs> inspired. Probably you're doing things more elegant than Essence of Thanksgiving. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think that's a wonderful example though, Sarah. Uh, so yeah, let's see what we got here. Making stock with the turkey carcass. Yep, that's a great one. That is, that's another great thing. Actually, you can use a slow cooker for. You can take the turkey carcass and put some root vegetables in your slow cooker, cover it over with water, and that gives you a really wonderful stock. So you get the full use out of that. Yeah, we've also got Ezra from Table to Table with us today. And Ezra says, we usually just end up making sandwiches. Sometimes we freeze items stock to great point. Yeah. Work lunches for the week after, freeze as needed. Absolutely. Let's see. Bit of a cop-out answer, but start by trying to make the appropriate amount of food to reduce the total leftovers to deal with. That's wonderful, and we'll talk more about that in a bit. And then we've got, we rarely have leftovers once we've had Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, let's see. I freeze any extra meat and use for future dishes. Yeah, absolutely. Great answers. Thank you, everybody. You know, one of the most simplistic memories that I have from Thanksgiving as well, and it kind of goes with what you're saying too, Sarah, is my brother and I would make like the turkey sandwich, you know, after Thanksgiving with all the layers of all of the entrees that you had at Thanksgiving. So the mashed potatoes and the green beans and everything. Um, it's quite the sandwich, but it's, it's delicious. You know, all the flavors really do come together. So Turkey enchiladas, I think, is the last one we've got here. Oh, 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 too bad that person's anonymous. I want to go over to that house for turkey enchiladas after Thanksgiving. That sounds amazing. 
yeah you know yeah. and also uh, to nate's point you know making the appropriate amount of food to begin with is actually not a cop-out answer at all that's a key strategy to addressing food waste you know as we'll get to later so great yeah. answers everyone you know, one of the other reasons we were inspired to host a discussion talking about food waste is because it doesn't just impact the landfill. You know, I work in the climate office, so I'm always thinking about ways that we can bring down emissions. And um, there was a recent UN report that came out that looked at uh, emissions across different categories. And one of the things that UN finding or UN report found was that if food waste were a country, it would be the third largest emitting country after the US and China. So you have the US and all the emissions we have from all our activities, you have China and all of its emissions. And then right behind it is food waste, which isn't a country at all, but really speaks to how pervasive food waste is on a global scale and what the impacts are actually from all that food being sent to the landfill. Oh gosh, it looks like we were a little frozen there. You back, Jane? Yeah, can you hear me? I can. Thank you, I'm sorry. I think we're having an internet issue at Eastside, so my apologies. I think it's because we've got so many people on the call, which is really great. It could be, so, I like that glass half full answer. That's yeah. great. Thank you for joining us and thank you for sticking it out. Um, yeah, so I was just talking about the UN report that said if food waste were a country, it would be the third largest emitter, which is just crazy to think about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think from a, you know, from my job perspective, so as recycling coordinator, of course, we consider the waste end. Uh, but really, you and I talk a lot about this, Sarah, talking about the emissions of food waste. And it's not just what happens when it gets to us, the landfill or the recycling facility or the compost facility. It's, you know, everything else that is embedded in what made that food. So it could be from the fields, all the agricultural processes, um, the processing and distribution of the food. It could be the transportation. And transportation is something we talk a lot about because there is so many emissions embedded in just transporting and the logistics of moving food around. Oh yeah, it's like that video that you and I both love so much from Save the Food that shows a little strawberry being picked in the field and yes. then getting processed and transported only to end up in a refrigerator where it sadly turns, gets a little moldy, right? And when you think about all that's been invested in that one strawberry just to be thrown away, it's sort of I don't know, for me, it kind of hits at a gut level. Like I don't want all that labor to go to waste, you know, aside from all the emissions. But also, yeah, like if you look at where produce often comes from um, in the US, like most uh, produce items travel an average of 2000 miles before they get to the table. So there's transportation emissions associated with it as well as something we want to address. Mm -hmm. um, you know, which leads us to the question like, it's a big system, right? And food waste happens on lots of different levels. One of the questions you and I wrestle with in all our programs, not just about food waste, is what can an individual meaningfully do to make change and what needs to change on the systemic level? You know, one of the points we talk about a lot when we say that is like, 
and this is the truth, systemic level often begins with the individual, right? Big corporations don't wake up in the middle of the night and say, you know what, I think we're going to do things differently because that just feels right. Often they're doing it because they see the way the trends are going among the people they serve or want to serve. Um, and it's the same for any other system you look at. Those little individual actions may not feel very meaningful on our own, but they are the start of something that trickles outward. So when, how do we think about this and how does it feed into city initiatives? Well, you know, we have curbside composting, um, which I was really excited to get when I moved to Iowa City for this position. And we manage a compost facility out at the landfill. But we also try to talk as much as possible about reducing food waste efforts at home um, before it ever gets to composting. And that's for a couple of different reasons, which you know well, not the least of which are those transportation emissions we were talking about, Jane, that um, there's the emissions of bringing the food to our refrigerator, but then there are also emissions associated with taking it out to the compost facility. So if mm -hmm. we can do things like buy the right amount of food, use up the food that we have, you know, really cut down on food waste in the home. Ultimately, that's helping with those other emissions at the tail end of the process. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, Sarah. And, you know, as a municipality, so, you know, you and I are city employees, we oftentimes are directing our outreach and our programming to households and to the residents, which makes sense. But, you know, you're pointing out there's also a lot of other places where food waste occurs. Uh, we've mentioned this from the emission standpoint as well. So it's agricultural. It could happen at the field. Uh, it could happen at the household, grocery stores, restaurants, commercial and industrial level, which is usually a much larger volume of food waste that we see as well. Uh, and as Sarah's mentioning the individual versus collective action, one really big thing that we all can do because we are all consumers, we all walk into the grocery store or the co-op uh, or the pharmacy, wherever we're buying our food, uh, and we make choices every time we go into those stores. And when we choose to buy only what we need, as Sarah said, that sends a message up that chain that you know this is what consumers are demanding right now and supply and demand adjust themselves. Same with the types of things that you're buying. So if you choose to buy something, uh, and this, this is my uh, connection to America Recycles Day today. If you choose to buy something with less packaging, if you choose to buy something that is fair trade status or organic or locally made or locally grown, that's another message that sends up the chain. I, as a consumer, want to demand these types of items. These are the types of things that I want to see on the shelf. So I think all of that can be really impactful if we're looking at the individual action perspective. So getting back to what you were saying too, Sarah, about city initiatives and things that we're doing. So one thing we do really want to point out here uh, is something we're just starting uh, with table to table, actually. So we've got our local food rescue organization, and we've got Ezra on the line. Uh, so I'll give a little bit of background about what this is, and then we'll let Ezra take the floor for a minute there. Uh, but what we're doing is a partnership with an organization that is already doing a really great job trying to save and rescue as much food as they possibly can. Even an entity like Table to Table, though, occasionally has some food waste. They get a donation in that maybe isn't uh, safe to redistribute or it's something that's past use and they just can't 
you know, get it to an entity that needs it. They need to have a, a responsible way to dispose of that. So one thing that we're partnering with them on right now is a mix of technology and outreach and education. So the technology end is we're actually working on a food waste cycler machine. Uh, that's, I guess, the, the best fancy language I can use for it. Basically where we can put any food waste that cannot be saved into this machine, it turns it into sort of like a pre-compost and really significantly reduces it down in volume. So that's one and that's one aspect of this partnership. The other aspect is a lot of education and outreach uh, to the community to engage all of our residents, all of our businesses with how we can make a positive impact in the realm of food waste. So I think what we'll do now is I'm going to look for Ezra. All right, Ezra, I think we added you. Can you? Can you yes, speak? I think. Yeah. There we go. Okay, well, take the floor for a few minutes. Tell us what's going on. Yeah. So um, if you don't know about Table Table, um, we're a nonprofit that focuses on food rescue um, in the Johnson Care County area. Um, and when we talk about food rescue, um, we, it's, it's like when the, the food that is cannot be sold um, or um, otherwise like extra, either at a grocery store or a farm or a garden um, or like a, a large food distributor. Um, so, so some of our partners include um, like your just whatever grocery store you see in town. So Hy-Vee's, Trader Joe's, uh, we go to gas stations like come and go, places like that. Um, but we also work with local farms. Um, uh, Echo Collective Farm has donated a ton of produce um, through their CSA program. So the, the, the extra produce they, they grew during the summer that they weren't able to sell, they donate to us. Um, so over the summer, they donated over 5,000 pounds um, to Table Table. And then we take that rescued food, um, which it still has, um, the, the due dates are, or the best buy dates are close, but they're still like, safe to eat. Um, the food's still in good condition. Um, and then we, we distribute it to recipient partners um, that are oftentimes either like food pantries or um, shelters of other sorts or early childcare centers, um, anywhere um, that is like serving like a, a marginalized or underserved population. Um, and so just trying to get that food um, away from the landfill and into people's homes um, into their stomachs as, as, as quickly as possible. Um, so we, we pick up the food, our volunteers drive a large van, they go to the store, pick up the food, and then in that same route, they're able to drop off that food um, in the same you know, two hour, three hour period. Um, and in the, in, in the ideal circumstance, that food is picked up by someone um, later that day and taken home and they're able to eat it um, or like plan a meal for tomorrow or something like that. Um, and we are really volunteer run. So if there's any table table volunteers on the call, thank you so much. You guys are the, the cog of the machine and we, we can't do it without you. Um, and if anyone's interested in volunteering, by all means, um, we are always eager to get more people on board. Um, but our volunteers drive the cars, they sort the food, they weigh the food, um, and they just, they distribute it to the recipient partners, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting. And we have throughout the summer, we've had a lot of fresh produce come in from local gardens. That's what this one really big initiative we focus on this year um, was to get as much fresh local produce rescued 
um, and into into the community. Um, I think that kind of covers our, our quick overview. Jane or Sarah, do you have any specific questions I can answer? I think that was wonderful. <clears throat> Thank you, Ezra. Sarah, anything specific? No, I think that captures it really well. I think, you know, I talked earlier about how I was excited to live in a community that has um, curbside composting, and I am, but I was also excited when I moved here to know I was moving to a city that was served by table to table because they do such wonderful things in making sure that food has a chance to really be consumed before, you know, we start thinking about how to manage the waste, which is great. And I'll say we had a city volunteer or AmeriCorps member rather last year who um, worked with table to table on the delivery route. And I think over the course of the year ended up delivering something like 80,000 pounds of food, which is just amazing. And I know he felt like it was a really rewarding experience to know like that's 80,000 pounds of material that didn't go to the landfill because of things that direct action he was taking, which is really great, really great. So yeah. thank you so much, Ezra, for providing all that information about table to table. Yeah. You know, the other thing I'll say about the table to table program, um, Jane, that you were talking about where we're looking at a technological response um, to help cut down on that food waste that ultimately can't be um, cycled out for another use. So the, the material that would otherwise go to the compost facility. Um, and now we're looking at a food cycling machine that they can have on site this is a really great thing. I, um, I, as you know, have encountered these machines in the wild. I've seen them used in commercial kitchens and they're really amazing because they um, essentially take a lot of the liquid out of the material so that it's lighter weight um, for being transported to its end use. And that was something that we thought a lot about when we were designing this program. We were talking, um, goes right back to those transportation emissions we were talking about. Like if this has to be transported somewhere else, how can we make it a lighter weight material so it uses less fuel to transport it so there are lower greenhouse gas emissions associated with getting it to its final destination? Um, and I'm just so excited to see how that ends up working for table to table. Hopefully it'll be a great pilot program and something we'll learn a lot from and be able to implement in other ways. Yeah, absolutely. And a, a few things I'll mention here just from the Q&A box. So the uh, very awesome turkey enchiladas idea was from Tamarack Discovery School. So that's great. Uh, they're one of our partners as well. And then a question about any idea how much food waste is going into the yellow bins in Iowa City. So that's referring to our curbside composting and food waste versus yard waste. We don't have a specific number for, um, but if we're looking at overall what's happening at curbside, it varies year to year. In 2020, we had over 4,000 tons of organics coming into compost. Um, so again, that's just the curbside program. That's not necessarily the other commercial trucks uh, or rural customers or other folks coming out to dump organics at the compost facility as well. So definitely making a dent and we've got more expansion of the curbside composting. Uh, one other detail I do wanna mention too in terms of the partnership we have going with Table to Table is this is really meant to be an innovative way to approach food waste reduction, food waste diversion, with the reality of a compost facility at capacity. So that's another barrier that we're dealing with right now. And we're looking at solutions for that. We've got a site study going out uh, at the landfill, which will look at, you know, what is the sustainable design for the future? 
But in the meantime, we need some immediate solutions. So that's why we're getting creative with this idea of this technology that can reduce volume. Yeah. Okay, Sarah, do we want to ask another question? Um, yeah, I think we do. We so we started out talking about uh, Thanksgiving leftovers. Um, and that, of course, that's one way to combat food waste to reuse the food that's left over. Um, my crockpot story is a good example of this and poor Jane has heard so many of my crockpot to reduce food waste stories. I still have one in my back pocket, but before we have to break that out. Um, we wanted to ask all of you, like, what do you do to combat food waste at home? What are ideas that possibly we could be looking at at the individual level and promoting to other residents in Iowa City or even doing ourselves? Um, I know this is a topic that Jane and I are both very interested in, you know, so um, I know Jane will, and you can talk about this a lot, Jane, uh, you often do that the four frontline things you can do to reduce food waste are sauces, soups, smoothies, and casseroles. Do you want to talk a little about that while folks enter their food waste reduction strategies in the Q&A? And I'll keep an eye on the Q&A while you talk to us about sauces, soups, smoothies, and casseroles. Yeah, I feel like this should be a song or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, these are really the four categories that you can do a lot with. Uh, and we mentioned these because these are there's a lot of possibilities within these four categories for food that maybe is a little bit past, you know, feeling a desire to eat it fresh, uh, such as maybe a brown banana or uh, wilted lettuce or uh, a soft apple, things like that, that maybe you're just not wanting to eat as a fresh fruit or fresh vegetable, uh, but there's other solutions on how you can use those items. So in my own life, uh, I make a lot of smoothies and that's usually with fruit that has sat a little bit too long, but it's great in a smoothie. And you can adapt that as well for other things. If you enjoy making casseroles, if you enjoy making soups at home, especially as we're entering winter season, uh, these are really great, uh, you know, food waste reduction secrets in terms of using up things that you have in the fridge uh, in a way that is still going to be appealing and, you know, taste good as well. So we want to be realistic with food waste here. Yeah. It looks like you're not alone in that. It looks like Jen Jordan makes veggie stock out of veggie scraps, which is a great thing to do. I sometimes do that myself when I'm peeling vegetables to um, make some other dish. I'll put yeah. those vegetable peelings in a bag in the freezer and I'll just save it for the next time I'm making stock and then I can add them in. Um, Jen also talks about making apples into applesauce. And Salome says she gives leftovers to neighbors, parents, and friends rather than hanging on to them in the fridge. I love that idea. Yeah, it's great. I actually used to uh, live in a neighborhood that had a potluck every Friday where people would bring their leftovers and uh, we would meet in a park and we would just exchange leftovers. So it wasn't new to you, but it was new to another family. And that way we drew down everything that was in the fridge. Looks like uh, Virginia likes grilled cheese and quesadillas. And uh, Carol John, freezing bananas for baking, vegetables in a plastic. Oh, look, I'm in good company. Yeah, <laughs> freezing you those are. Things. Yeah, and baking, I'm, I'm glad Carol mentioned baking as well. That's another great way to use up ingredients, uh, whether, you know, bananas for banana bread, for example, you only want super brown bananas for a good banana bread. So there's definitely ways to use up those types of ingredients. Yeah, good use of the freezer being displayed in these ideas. You know, the other thing we talked about, I'll, uh, I'll break out my other crock pot example now, so we don't have to listen to it later 
as Jane knows, um, I had had uh, guests visit who uh, bought cartons of milk. My, in my household, we're not big milk drinkers. We don't drink it. Um, but we ended up with these cartons of milk that were left behind. And one of them even was starting to turn a little. And it was, I was having a bit of a crisis of conscience because I didn't want them to go to waste, even though I didn't want to drink that milk. I will say, though, in my household, we um, eat a lot of cottage cheese strangely enough. And so one of the things I discovered is that you can take leftover milk and you can put it in a crock pot and let it clabber overnight. And it actually helps if that milk is starting to spoil a little. Um, and then once it clabbers, you can drain off the liquid and add in some cream and you'll make your own cottage cheese, which is what we ended up doing. And I was so excited about this, not only because it was a new way to use the Crock-Pot that I hadn't experimented with before, but also as I told Jane, like I felt like this little food waste experiment cut down on wasted food, but it also opened up the possibility for better recycling practices for me because when I eat a lot of cottage cheese that comes in tubs, those tubs have a limited recycling ability. They can only be recycled a couple times at most. Um, and by knowing that I can make cottage cheese at home, um, it opens the possibility that if I could find milk in glass jars, for example, um, I could exercise different options, whether recycling the plastic tubs or reusing those glass jars. So it's always, it's always funny the places you end up when you experiment with, you know, doing better, how sometimes one solution leads to another and to another. Yep. And Sarah, I think we have maybe a few more in here. So we've got avoid the temptation of the buy one, get one free or sales. Mm -hmm. This is a tough one. We go to the store and there's a sale. You think, well, I'm going to save some money by buying this. And sometimes you buy too much and then you end up wasting it. So I think that is a great recommendation. And one other fun one that I especially like to use when we're giving presentations at the landfill uh, to students or kids is don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry. And we always get some giggles at that, but it's absolutely true. There is a psychology behind this. If you go to the grocery store when you are hungry, what are you going to buy? It's gonna be the chips and candy and, and carb items because your body wants calories. Uh, so always smart to have a snack before you go to the grocery store, helps with you know sensible purchases and such. And then we've got one other comment here. So dehydrate herbs and produce for later. Uh, this, oh, it's Beth McKenzie, wonderful. She's our recycling coordinator at the University of Iowa. Uh, so she has a dehydrator, but she's saying you can also dehydrate in the oven uh, with a lower setting. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you everybody for that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that buy one, get one temptation. A lot of people don't realize this. I actually had to explain this to my own partner that um, sometimes when you see that sign, like two for $5, the assumption is that you have to buy two to get that price. And that's not actually true. Um, so I had to explain to Jamie, like, no, no, it means they're $2.50 a piece. That sign's just put there to encourage you to try to get two. But if one makes sense, that's what you should buy. You're still going to get the cheaper price. Um, it's sort of like expiration dates on foods. That's another thing that can be um, a little misleading when you see it. A lot of times the best buy or sell by date isn't really there because the food's going to go bad at the stroke of midnight on that date. Um, it's actually, interestingly enough, 
was a practice that grocery stores started as a way to imply that foods were really fresh, right? Um, because they were up against this perception that food sat on their shelves endlessly and who really knew how old they were. And by putting those dates on, it was a way of saying, no, 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 this is fresh food, right? And now it's become um, this, there's a sort of underside of it where because we see those dates, there's an assumption that, oh, the food can't be good after that date when often it's fine, right? Especially yeah. when you're talking about shelf-stable goods, like cereals tend to be fine past their sell-by date. Another thing, dry storage items. Yeah, and that's another great thing that Table to Table does education on is better understanding those expiration dates. And, and we will certainly be including that in some of the education outreach we do with them in the coming months with, with this partnership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, uh, Sarah, should we talk about why Food waste is a discussion around the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're entering a time where it's Thanksgiving and then we've got a lot of holidays in December and January then with New Year's. And typically what we see around this time of year is when there's holidays, we celebrate, we get together. When we get together and when there's parties, that usually translates to some meals and a lot of eating and a lot of food preparation. So when we have a lot of food preparation, we have, of course, a lot of eating and consumption, but there's also, you know, realistically going to be some waste from that as well. So around this time of year, we try to do a lot of education around how you can approach food for that particular holiday in, you know, a food waste reduction type of mindset. So we do have, for anyone that's interested, We have some recommendations out there right now for Thanksgiving. So if you're looking for those tips, we've got a direct URL. It's icgov.org slash Thanksgiving tips 2021. So we've got some information there. Uh, And then we'll have more for when December rolls around and then on to New Year's as well. Uh, But, you know, a big reason that we bring this up is because there are many, many ways that we can reduce and prevent food waste from forming in the first place. We've talked about some of those things. But we also want to be realistic. We know that no matter what, there is still going to be some food waste. We are always going to have, you know, the turkey bones left over or the eggshells or the banana peels, other things that we categorize as non-edible food waste. And so we're looking at this, again, realistically in that we want to reduce what we can, but then with the waste that we do have, we want to be able to handle it responsibly. And that's really where the active composting comes in. So that's, that's also why we bring that into the conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and there are other good resources out there too. Earlier, we had talked about the Save the Food video. Save the Food actually is a wonderful website um, that has not just information um, about food waste in general, but also has tips on ways you can revive things. So like if your lettuce or your celery is starting to look a little wilted, I didn't know this before I went to the website, but you can put it in ice water and it'll perk back up. It has lots of great tips like that. It has recipes that people can use. It's another wonderful resource. But as you rightly point out, Jane, like, you know, there are parts of the food that you're just not gonna eat. You're not gonna eat the bones. You're not gonna eat the eggshells. And that's where the curbside composting comes in. I'll say one tip that I learned from you recently 
is um, a recommendation that people don't roll their carts down to the curb until they're fuller. So if you only have like a little bit of food waste in the bottom of the cart, it's okay to keep it up by your house. You don't have to put it down on the curb. And one of the things that helps with, of course, is it makes for more efficient routes, right? As those trucks are circulating through the neighborhood and getting that material to the compost facility. Um, and we're at a great time of year where you can, in a way, slow walk your stuff to the curb because one of the advantages of colder weather is that food that's put out in your yellow bin is not gonna spoil quite as quickly. Are there other best practices for using those bins? Jane, I realized when you mentioned that the other day that there probably are, and I've never thought to ask you about them. Yeah, so one thing I'll mention too in terms of the curbside composting, if we have some curbside customers on the line here, we in past years have done a suspension of service and we are not doing that anymore since we added food waste into the mix and the carts, we've had a big increase in participation to the point that we see value in having that year round route. Uh, so keep that in mind coming into winter season, you can still compost any food waste that you have, continue to put that cart out as needed. Uh, but Sarah brings up a great point, you know, reducing the amount of times that you need to put it at the curb. If it's not a full cart yet, uh, that's an emissions goal. That's part of our, you know, uh, the reality of curbside collection. If we have to break less and if there's less stops, we're going to save on emissions. So that's, that's a local environmental goal there. Uh, in terms of other things, though, typically what we recommend uh, to make it easier for the customer and for staff, get those carts out by 7 a.m., uh, make sure that there's some spacing between them at the curb, make sure that the arrows on the cart are facing the curb and also make sure those lids are closed. So if, if we follow those simple tips, collection is, is really smooth, it keeps it running uh, and you know also makes certain that we will successfully collect your materials. Yeah. Yeah. So I know we have a little resource. Um, we've talked about Save the Food. We've talked about uh, resources available on the city website. We also have a dedicated food waste page that we want to make sure we mention today, which is icgov.org slash food waste. So the letter I, the letter C, gov.org slash food waste. Um, and it has a lot of great information, including contact information for Jane. Um, if you have questions about food waste. But you know, one of the great things about having this lunchtime webinar is you don't have to wait and go to the website and find contact information for Jane. You've got it right now, and me too. Um, so before we finished, we did want to open the floor to see if there were any questions that we hadn't answered. This has been a very wide ranging conversation, but if you came to it with a question you really wanted answered about food waste or something that you've been thinking about that you want to share, um, feel free to put it in the Q&A box. We're going to read out some of those questions. And uh, you can also raise your hand in the participant list and we can unmute you so that you could ask a question live if you wanted. Yeah. So it looks like we do have some questions in there to answer. It, it does. And a few comments too. So we've got uh, from Carol, she said, dry composting works if you don't have your own compost pile dry out tea bags, coffee grounds, crushed eggshells, and shredded paper, add it to the garden soil. Definitely, great tip there. Uh, let's see, Joan says, I put veggie scraps into green eco bags and freeze it. So that's also another great recommendation. If you have freezer space uh, and you don't want it to be in your cart where you're worried it's gonna smell or just sit there a little too long and you prefer to put it in your freezer, that's a great way to keep food waste contained and not messy. So great tip there. Let's see. 
we've got a good question there, Sarah. Is there any quantification of how much less greenhouse gas is given off with the composting now compared to with, I'm guessing, landfilling? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in terms of those numbers, off the top of my head, I, I don't have the, the data memorized, but I'm happy to have a conversation later on that. What I can tell you, though, in terms of the general difference of what happens with landfilling versus composting is the types of greenhouse gases that are produced and, of course, the amount. So when food waste ends up in a landfill, it's an environment where there's no air, there's no light. So it's the perfect breeding ground for methane. And uh, what makes that methane is organic material like food waste. So that's why putting food waste in the landfill is so problematic versus if we add that to a compost system where we're letting oxygen in those piles every month, uh, it is producing a little bit of carbon dioxide, which is a very natural greenhouse gas to be produced during a decomposition process, uh, but we're not having the issue with methane. So a big difference there in terms of the potency and amount of greenhouse gas. Anything else to add to that, Sarah? Yeah, no, and my mind went right to methane too with that question. You know, one of the things we talk about in our office a lot is that methane is a very potent greenhouse gas driver. It is 20 times more powerful than carbon dioxide. So even though that compost pile does produce a little carbon dioxide, as you pointed out, Jane, it's producing less gas overall, and the gas it's producing is 20 times less dangerous than what gets produced at the landfill, um, which is really powerful when you think about what we were saying at the top of the hour, that 25% um, of what goes to the landfill is food waste. So 25%. You know, one out of four things in the landfill is something that's producing a very potent greenhouse gas. Um, and if we can reduce that, we're going to be making big strides toward our uh, greenhouse gas reduction um, goals that we have for the city and really for the planet. Yeah. Another question that we have here. So uh, for those not covered by curbside collection services, is there a place to drop off compost? So here they're asking about Southeast Iowa City. Currently, the only place to drop off if you do not have curbside collection and if you are not going to work with Compost Ninja or some of the other entities in town that help with pickup, uh, a drop-off site would be out at the Iowa City landfill, so directly at the compost facility, and there's no cost for residents of Johnson County to participate in that. We realize that right now that's a barrier, especially if maybe uh, you don't have a car, if you're relying on a bus service. Uh, we understand that. That's something that we're continuing to discuss. Pre-pandemic, we were starting the discussion, especially you know from some conversations with student government as well, uh, the idea of some other sort of drop-off location, similar to what we do with our recycling drop-offs, having something for organic material. It's a very different beast than a bin for just paper or glass or metal, uh, because this is organic material. So there are some other barriers there. Uh, please know we are having those discussions, and I think part of this pilot of what we're doing with Table to Table may give some insight into that, as this is sort of serving as a pilot drop-off location of sorts. Uh, so more to come on that. Right now, though, if you're looking for a drop-off, it would be out at the compost facility. 
Yeah, it looks like Salome's written in too with a question about waste in the ICCSD cafeteria, so in the school system, and if there are any efforts to reduce waste in our schools. You know, school systems, they do operate separately from the city, um, but we do have close conversations with them. We see each other as partners, I think rightly so, in achieving a lot of goal, uh, similar goals related to better environmental stewardship. And one thing I know from those conversations is that the Green Iowa AmeriCorps teams that have worked in the schools before, so the Sustainable Schools Program, um, have implemented some composting efforts at the school cafeterias, which is great. You know, another thing we see in some school districts, and I don't know if it's here or not, it would be worth looking into, is um, some schools set up what are known as sharing tables. And it's actually very similar to the work that Table to Table does on a bigger scale throughout the city. What sharing tables allow students to do is um, put something that came in their lunch that maybe they just weren't as hungry as they might've been when they were packing their lunch in the morning or they just don't wanna eat it. And they can put it out on the sharing table and then other students can come and take that food and eat it themselves. So it's another way of keeping that food out of the trash can and getting it um, hopefully used rather than thrown away, which is a, I just love that idea so much. Like I also just on a personal level, think it's important to encourage sharing whenever we can. Encourage sharing and reduce waste. What a win-win. Yeah, and, and from the composting front on that as well, we have had some schools in the Iowa City Community School District and uh, other schools such as Regina locally uh, do some composting efforts, but really what we've seen so far is it's more so on a school by school basis, not necessarily a district wide practice. However, if there is ever a school interested in that and they want to have that conversation, we are always happy to meet, share resources and discuss, you know, how we can assist that partnership and, and get something going at the school. That's a great question. Okay. Looks like the next question would be a good one for you, Jane. It's from Virginia, and it's about uh, any conversation about curbside composting in Coralville. Like, one of the things we know is the landfill is the Iowa City landfill, but it serves the entire county. So I know, Jane, you're often in conversation with other community partners about their waste reduction efforts. Do you, what can you say about Coralville? Yeah, in terms of food waste, not that I know of. Uh, but if we hear anything, we will certainly, you know, be part of that conversation. I think right now, still primarily yard waste focused. Uh, but again, anyone that lives in Coralville, North Liberty, anywhere in Johnson County can also participate in dropping off stuff at the compost facility at no cost. Uh, again, we understand that is a drive and there are barriers to that, but that is available to you as some of these other programs come about. Yeah. Yeah. And then... I think we're covering most of it so far, Sarah. Uh, I will also mention if, and, and we're, we're listing a lot of URLs here, uh, we've got everything at the city website, but for anyone that is also interested in uh, the waste reduction and recycling end, we are still in the midst of our America Recycles Day campaign. Uh, so what that is called is hashtag IC Recycles campaign, and we've got all that information available at our waste reduction page, which is icgov.org slash reduce. So we've got that. Uh, we also have, as Sarah had mentioned, a lot of information on food waste reduction at our food waste webpage. Uh, and then the other thing we'll mention too is we've got some folks on the line that maybe want to share this resource or they know others that weren't able to be here today. We have been recording this, so we will have a recording available for probably about a month after 
today. Uh, so that will be available. Yeah. Yeah, you should get a playback option um, for having registered for the event today, which is great. And I'll just say, I just find it so encouraging that so many people tuned in to talk about food waste. One of the things that Jane and I have in common, Jane is our recycling coordinator here in Iowa City. I was a recycling coordinator in my previous job. And when people ask me about recycling and things that they can do to really make a difference, I often find myself talking about how there's a lot of discussion around plastics and rightly so. But if you really wanna do something that has a big impact on the local level, thinking about keeping organic material out of the landfill is probably the biggest lever we have to pull, right? And um, one that sadly, I think doesn't get discussed as much in other communities. So it's really great for that we all have this chance to live in Iowa City where we are thinking a lot about this issue and doing so much to try to address food waste and keep organics out of the landfill. I think, uh, I think Jane, you can be rightly proud of the good work you're doing. Oh, well, you too, Sarah. I always appreciate our <laughs> partnership as well. So, uh, so thank you for having this conversation with me and everybody that joined us today. We had such a great discussion. We really appreciate all the recommendations and questions and comments that we had in the Q&A box. And we hope that everybody has a wonderful America Recycles Day and Iowa Recycles Day. And we are looking forward to planning more events like this. So if you like this format, Stay tuned. Uh, in 2022, we're looking at some other topics as well. Really get that conversation going and that community engagement. Yeah, and feel free to reach out to either of us with any feedback or any questions you have that come up later. And um, you can even tell us what you thought didn't work well about this webinar. We would appreciate that very much. We can use it to make the next one even better. And thank you to all of you for being so interested in this topic. I can tell just from the question and answer box that a lot of you are really engaged with this issue and doing wonderful creative things to reduce food waste on multiple levels, not just the food you have in your home, but the food you buy and the food you put to the curb. And all of that is just appreciated. So a deep felt thanks on this Thanksgiving month, our unofficial food waste holiday on the calendar. Um, and we hope that we'll see you again in future conversations. Yes. Thank you, everybody. And thank you, Sarah. Hope everybody has a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you.